Revelation today. Now, when I say Revelation, uh, probably a lot of people think um, Revelation is in the book at the end of your Bible. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, a lot of people think the book of Revelation is about cataclysmic end-time events. It's a book describing cataclysmic end-time events. You know that's not what that book is about at all. As a matter of fact, it is the, the proper title is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we just say the, Revel, the book of Revelation. Oh yeah, you know the book about the Antichrist and about the tribulation and about the great war. And No, that's not what that book is about. It's not called the revelation of cataclysmic end-time events. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about revelation today. We're going to talk about a revealing or a revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'm doing this on purpose because as we begin this new year, this is, this is one I want to encourage you and exhort you and challenge you to go after to desire, to want with all of your heart. As we were singing a while ago, I, I just a thought came to me, and I can't remember what song we were singing, and, and there were words to, the, to one of the songs that we were singing that made me, made me think about this. And You know, a lot of times we... Um, you know, the Bible is very practical. You guys, you know that? The Bible has a lot of really good practical information. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with in life. Uh, family relationships, uh, finances, um, emotions, whatever it is. The Bible has great practical information to help you. But I want you to understand something. We need to, to view the Bible for what it really is. The Bible speaks to us very practically. But God did not give us the scripture so that we would have good practical advice for life. Because we can have all the good practical advice and knowledge and live a very practical and efficient and great life. And bust hell wide open. The Bible was written, the Bible, the scriptures were given to us to give us a revelation of Jesus Christ. To reveal the Son of Glory to us. Because only by Him there is one name under heaven by which man must be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. And if we don't get a revelation of Christ... And we don't come to know him as Jesus, to quote Jesus, we can gain the whole world and lose our very soul. And that's not good. So as we were singing a while ago, I don't know, it just made me think about how practical the scripture is, and but yet, the reality is, all of those things. So you could think right now, if I ask this question to you, what is your immediate need in your life right now? What is your immediate need? 
And there would be all kinds of answers that would be in this room. Could be physical, could be financial, could be relational, all kinds of things. Or if I said to you, what are you struggling with in your life right now? There would be all kinds of different answers that, that would come. Describing what you might be struggling with. But here is the reality. The point of the Bible is to not give you a reference book so that you can go, okay, I'm struggling with this. Uh, let's see, begins with the letter S. Let me, let me go to my glossary and find the, the S's and find what I'm struggling with. And then I'm going to look up these scriptures. And that's not really what the scripture is about. I mean, we have the scripture translated, written, laid out so that we can do that and praise God for that, right? But that's really not the point of the Scripture. Now here's the thing. Whatever you might be struggling with in life, whatever you might be dealing with in life, whatever might be the challenges that you're facing in life, you might need some real practical application to deal with this. I'm going to tell you what. Here is the reality. Here is the truth. Christ is... Christ is the one who brings all things into order and proper alignment. I don't care what you are dealing with in your life. Christ is the one thing that will bring you to proper order and proper alignment. I didn't say Christ will make your troubles go away. Christ will lead you and guide you and show you how to walk through your troubles. And when I say walk through your troubles, I mean not just learn how to stay in them and endure them. I'm talking about walking through them. Christ never promised to deliver us from our troubles. He never promised that we would live trouble-free lives. As a matter of fact, he promised that we would have trouble in this life. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Christ is the fixed point that we are to look to. It's kind of like true north. If you have a compass, your compass points to true north. Or you can look at the north star at night. And all the other stars will change positions, but the north star is always going to stay in that one position. And so you can navigate by it. Whatever, wherever you're trying to get to, you can use that as a reference point and it will Bring into alignment. It will help you. This is, this is who Christ is. Christ is not a floating point. He's a fixed point. And as we look unto Jesus, all things are brought to their proper place. As we look unto Jesus, Jesus will bring our relationships to their proper place. Husbands, if you look unto Jesus, you 
will learn how to love your wives. Wives, if you look unto Jesus, you will learn how to love and respect and submit, even submit. That's a dirty word in this 21st century we live in today. But you will learn how to do that because Christ knows how to bring all things into order. He knows how to bring husbands into order. He knows how to bring wives into order. He knows how to bring relationships. He knows how to bring whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life. As we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he, he brings all things into their proper place and their proper order. And so this is why we're going to begin the new year talking about a revelation. A revelation not of all the practical advice the Bible gives us, but a revelation of a person. See, what this, what this book we call the Bible is about, it's about a person. What these scriptures declare, they declare a person. The point of our revelation is the revealing of a person. Your salvation is not a set of beliefs that you possess in order to make sure your ticket to heaven is validated. No, your salvation is a person. Salvation is not what you possess. Salvation is who possesses you. You didn't give your life to Jesus. Jesus gave your life, his life to you. That's why you're saved. Not because you gave your life to Jesus, but because Jesus gave his life to you. We come into the presence of the Father because we are joined to the life of the Son. Did anyone fly this holiday season? Who flew? Anyone fly? No one? No one flew? Who's ever been on an airplane? Who's ever been to the airplane? Okay. So, why does your hand get to go with you through the checkpoint? Huh? You ever been stopped and a TSA agent says, Sorry, your hand can't come in here because your hand is dirty. Sorry, you're going to have to leave your hand behind. No. Why does your hand get to go with you through the checkpoint? Because it's part of you. Because it's joined to you. It's part of you, your life. Why do we come to the presence of the Father? Because we have been joined to the Son. Because we are members of His body. And we are made acceptable to the Father. Where? In the Son. If you don't have a revelation of Christ, you may go through life thinking that your ticket to heaven is because, you've, uh, because of your ability to live such a clean life. Your ability to study and read about all the rules and regulations in this book and keep them very well. You may mistakenly think that that's how you're going to get into heaven one day. And that is a mistake. Because that's not how you're going to get into heaven. But if you, if you have a revelation of the Son, I'm telling you what, it will change. It will change your life. It will transform who you are at the very core 
of your being. So this is why we're going to talk about revelation. It's not motivation that we need when it comes to the Christian life. It's revelation. Revelation is what we need, not motivation. There's a lot of people who are trying to get motivated for the new year. I won't ask for a show of hands, but since when I read my Yahoo News, you know what the majority, what so many news things are about? That new weight loss plan, that new exercise plan, that new time management plan. I mean, we're, it's, we're all geared up for the first part of the year, and we're going to get motivated to manage our time better, to manage our weight better, to manage our health better. That's not bad, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to spiritual things, listen, motivation's not going to suffice. Fleshly motivation's not going to work for you. Because we don't need more motivation. We need a revelation of Christ. We need a revealing of the Son of God. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Your King James Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. What that literally means, says in the Hebrews, where there is no prophetic revelation, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Look, if we read, let's read the proverb in its entirety. If we go to Proverbs 29, as you hold your place in Ephesians, I really will get to Ephesians, at least by next week for sure. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. We often times just quote the first part of that verse, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but that but joins the two thoughts, but happy is he who keeps the law. Why? Is someone happy because they keep the law? Is it because through keeping the law that we're saved? No. Or through keeping the law that we're acceptable to God? No. Because it's impossible for us to keep the law. But what does the law do? Remember, if you've gone through the Not I Christ Bible study, we talk a lot about the law and the purpose of the law. And the purpose of the law as given to the children of Israel there in Sinai was not to give them a system by which they would become righteous before God because it's impossible. Because we don't have it within ourselves to be able to keep the law. There was only one man and is eternally one man who keeps the law. It is the man, Christ Jesus. This is why what Caleb said during communion is, is so very relevant. It wasn't that Jesus just died. It was not how he died, it was how he lived. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus kept the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. And what he meant was, I I am going to live, I am walking a perfect life. I will fulfill all righteousness. As a matter of fact, I am the only one who will ever be able to do that. No other son of Adam has ever been or will able, 
ever be able to walk a perfect life and keep the law, but Jesus did. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died having lived a sinless life. But he died having become sin for us. His death on the cross was not justice. It wasn't justified by his life. It was justified by his love. Because God so loved us, Jesus died on the cross. Not because he deserved to die. You and I deserve to die on the cross. Because we cannot live sinless lives. Jesus did not deserve to die on the cross. It was love that that took him to that cross and kept him on that cross. And he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Happy is he who keeps the law. Why? Because the law is the nature and character of God himself revealed to us. The law reveals the nature and character of God. Here's that word reveal again. What does the law reveal to us? It reveals God to us. It reveals who God is. It reveals God in His absolute righteousness, His absolute holiness. What are we to do? The law was given so that we could see and we could know the nature of God, right? So that we could what, try to live up to that? So that we would know that we cannot live up to that. And as we saw before, there was a law given, or the law of Moses, with Abraham. When Abraham went to offer his son Isaac up, what did God do? God provided a sacrifice. And here's the lesson that Abraham learned, that, that he put his trust in God... Because Abraham trusted in the life of another. Or we could say this, Abraham trusted in the righteousness of another. The law reveals the righteousness of God and it reveals that I cannot trust my own righteousness because I don't have any. So my only hope is the righteousness of another. Do you know who the other is? It's Jesus Christ. And part of the revelation we need to get when we talk about Jesus is the otherness of Christ. That Christ really is not like you. And he's really not like me. He is other than we. He has a righteousness that is other than our own. And our hope And the promise he gives is that if we put our trust in his righteousness, which is other than our own, we will be saved. But if we don't have a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, if we spend our time studying this book trying to figure out how to live better by the rules and regulations listed here, we've missed the whole point of what this book is about. Because this book, these scriptures, these holy scriptures were given to us to reveal to us the person of the Son of God, the Lord of glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's not 
more motivation that we need. It's a revelation that we need. The people cast off restraint because they have no revelation. Because they have nothing to look to. They are looking to this and to that. And they are like waves tossed to and fro. They're on the sea of life. And they're looking to everything that comes their way. And they're being tossed to and fro. They're double-minded. They're unstable in all of their ways. And God says people like that who have no revelation, they cast off restraint. And you know what happens? When you cast off restraint, you perish. You are adrift and you are left to the mercy of the cruel storm that will eventually shipwreck you. But if we are anchored, hope is the anchor of the soul, the Bible says. If we are anchored, where? In Him. If we are looking unto Him. If we are navigating the course of our life fixed on Him, all things begin to come into their proper place. All things come into alignment. God begins to bring divine order to all things. Then we can take the truth supplied in, in the scripture and we can properly apply them to our life because we are applying them in truth. Not that they are truths in and of themselves, but they are truths revealed in the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Colossians and he in Colossians 3.11 it says, But Christ is all and in all. Turn over to the book of Ephesians. Let me read to you a prayer by the Apostle Paul. Before I read that, let me quote Jesus from John 8.32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do you believe that? Who is the truth? Jesus is. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself declared that he was the definite article, not a, the truth. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Who is the truth? It's a person. What is the truth that this scripture reveals? It is the person who is the truth. Let's read for Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start in verse 17. This is a prayer by the Apostle Paul for the Ephesians, the church there in Ephesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. There's that word, revelation. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I want you to see the word pictures that are being painted here. 
the eyes of your understanding. Do you ever think of your understanding as having eyes? The eyes of your understanding. Would what? Would be enlightened. Why? That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power. According to whose working and whose power? According to the working of His mighty power. Which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. And seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And He put all things. Say all things. He put all things under His feet. Do you... You English people, you language people, do you understand how that is communicated to us? It's communicated as a completed act, as a past tense accomplished fact. He has and he put all things under his feet. Not we hope that he will one day, because it sure doesn't look like they are right now. No. 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this letter, he put all things under his feet. Where are all things? They are under the feet of Jesus. Hold your place there. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. I mean, sorry, you're already there. Hebrews, go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse 8. This is important for us. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 8. I was right. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for, that, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus... Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's two ways you can interpret this in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews here is quoting from the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, he's quoting from the Psalms. And he's quoting and he says, let's go to verse 6. But one testified in a certain place saying, what is man? Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about man, right? Who's a man? General sense, not, I'm not talking male and female. We're men, right? We are of humankind. And he put, who is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. And we can apply that. We can apply that to Jesus very fairly and say that fits Jesus perfectly. But, but what if we're talking about man, humankind? Now we have a 
kind of a different thing. But I'm telling you what, they are both true. They both apply. For in that we put all in that he put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. Now let's go back to Ephesians. I'm talking about revelation. Do you have a revelation of Christ? Do you live with a continuing revelation of the person of Jesus Christ? If you don't, I'm telling you what, the world around you and the bad news and the tragedy and the horror and the things that that make it appear as though the world is flying apart at the seams, those things will come into your mind, they will seep into your life and they will make you begin to doubt that all things actually are put under His feet. But yet the Scripture is not wishy-washy. The Scripture is very clear in what it declares to us. Now what are we going to believe? Are you going to believe CNN, ABC, NBC, MSNBC? If you're right-wing, conservative, you watch Fox. Are you going to believe Fox or are you going to believe the Scripture? What are you going to believe? Because the Scripture says He has put all things under His feet. He has left nothing Nothing that is not put under his feet. Oh yeah, but Pastor Jeff, you know, that's talking about man. Okay, fine. We'll go with this any way you want to. Let's go back to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 1.22. Think the Apostle Paul knew his Bible? I think he knew the Old Testament. When he's writing his letter to the Ephesians, I think he understands very clearly where this concept he's writing about comes from. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him, who? Christ. To be head over all things. What is Christ head over? Some things, many things, most things, all things. But don't stop there. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. Who does Paul say Who is he talking to when he says all things have been put under? Look, and he put all things under his feet. He he raised him up. Let's go back. Let's let's look at verse 20. Paul is praying. My prayer is that you get a revelation. And you come into the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened or be open that you would know absolutely and completely what? That you would know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him, Christ, from the dead and seated Him, Christ, at His right hand in the heavenly places. He seated Christ where? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him, Christ, to be head over all things to the church. Who are we? We are the church. Who is our head? Christ. 
So my hand is my hand, and the head of my, head, my hand is my head, right? My hand is a member of my body, and my hand's head, naturally speaking, we're speaking practically naturally here, my hand's head is my, my head, because it's part of my body. If you are the body of Christ, and you are a member of his body, like my hand is a member of my body and your hand is a member of your body, if you are a member of his body and he is your head and all things have been put under his feet, where are they in relation to you? Are you still under all things waiting to be put there or are you with Christ, in Christ, and you have been lifted Above all things. And the same all things that are put under his feet. Means that they are put under you. Who's a foot? Who's a foot? Christ is the head. I don't know. Brady you might be a foot. You might be an elbow. You might be a hand. I don't know. Somebody's a foot though right? What does the foot speak of? It's a part of the body. Is Christ's body divided? Is Christ's body mutilated and separated? Parts everywhere, not joined together? Is it? No, it's not. This is why when we divide, I don't care whether it's in a family and it's a husband and a wife, a parent and a child, or a church that divides. When we divide, it is an abomination. You know why? Because we are mutilating the body of Christ. And we are speaking and declaring something that is totally and completely contrary to the very picture of unity that is given to us in the Bible. Families, parents, children, husbands, wives, I'm telling you what, your unity is worth fighting for. Children, I don't care how upset you get at your parents, the unity of your family is worth fighting for. Guys, I don't care how upset you might get at me based on things I might say to you or do, the unity of the body is worth fighting for because we are declaring something to the heavenlies. You don't believe that? Go to Ephesians chapter 3 and let's look at something here. What am I talking to you about today? We're talking about revelation. Okay? What is the revelation? What is being revealed to the heavenly host when the heavenly host looks upon the body of Christ? Because I'm telling you what, something is being revealed. It's being revealed in our families. It's being revealed in our churches. It's being revealed in our workplaces. It's being revealed on the highways when we drive and on the byways. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's begin in verse 8 just to get a little more context. Ephesians 3, 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery 
which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent. Here, here we go. Why did God create all things through Jesus Christ? Here's the answer right here. To the intent that now, say now, now, the manifold, that word manifold, not talking about a part on your 350 motor you got in your car. The manifold, the variegated, the multicolored, many-sided wisdom of God. Look at this, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Are you, are you listening? Are you seeing what God is declaring in his word? To who? To the principalities and powers in the heavenly Places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whether we realize it or not, we are making known the wisdom of God. Heaven and hell are watching. The way we live our lives, the way we walk out our faith, we are making known. The wisdom of God. This is the intent that we would make known. That we would reveal to, show to, powers and principality. The manifold wisdom of God. This is why husbands and wives, your marriage is worth fighting for. Because when you split over, I don't care what issues. And many times they're, they're most petty we live in a culture now that, that just encourages people, well, you know, if it's not convenient, if it's not what you want, ah, go ahead and get a divorce. This is why I will not marry couples any longer until they go through premarital counseling. I just won't do it because I tell them. Because too many couples come in, they come to get a free marriage license, and, and some, some of them don't keep coming because they don't want to hear all the spiritual mumbo-jumbo. I just want to get my free marriage license. Sorry, you can go to a JP and do that. Do you understand? Do you understand what marriage is? Paul says it's a picture of Christ in his body. Do you understand what the church is? It is Christ in his body. You know, after spending a week with Pastor Camara. I was so convicted. I thought, my God, here we are so spoiled. I mean, we got people dealing literally every day with life and death issues. And here we are in America, and we just, we just split and divide over the dumbest things. And most of the time, we don't even know why we do it. We just get carried along with the flow. I'm telling you what, a revelation of Christ will bring all things into order. A revelation of Christ will bring things into proper alignment.
Parents, pray for your children. Not just that they behave better. Pray for your children that they receive a revelation of Christ because if they get a revelation of Christ, it will change them for eternity. Drugs will have no power over them. The lust of this world will have no power over them. They may struggle with issues. They may battle with these issues. But I'm telling you what, if your children, if you, if I, if all of us receive a revelation of Christ, and I'm not talking about I got it one time back, you know, 25 years ago. I'm talking about an ongoing revelation. Because who is God? God is not finite. God is infinite. God is not something. Listen, I can read my Bible. I have, let's see, how many pages do I have in my Bible? Uh, it's important, I want to tell you all. 1,468. 1, if I read all 1,468 pages of my Bible, then I can say I've read my Bible through from beginning to end. And in a sense, that number, not in a sense, it is. 1,468 is a finite number. That's not the way God is. God is not a finite being. He is an infinite being. The revelation of Christ is not something you get one time and then you're good to go. See, this is kind of the, this is the gospel we preach oftentimes in the church. Well, you just need to get saved. Well, how do I do that? Well, you just come down here and shake the preacher's hand and repeat after him, and then you're saved. And then we'll dunk you in some water. And then you're going to be saved. Really? Is that the magic formula for salvation? I don't think so. That won't save anybody any more than there's a man in the moon. You can walk the aisle all day long, I can dunk you in that thing till you turn into a raisin. If you don't have a revelation of Jesus Christ, if the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart have not been opened to see the person of the Son of God, you can shake my hand, I can pour oil on you, I can hold you under that water till you, you're fighting to come up and say, Jesus! Ain't going to save you. But if you, if you get a revelation of Christ... It won't matter whether you shake my hand, whether I dunk you in that water. It, it won't matter how, what it looks like. You will know that you know that you know that God has done something in your heart. That He has opened the blindness. That He has shown a light into the darkness of your heart. And your blind eyes have suddenly been opened and now you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Brother, sister, I'm telling you what, the moment that happens, you can know that you have been saved. Whether you shake my hand, whether you repeat after me, whether I dunk you in that tank or not, I'm telling you what, it's what God does in your heart. And that revelation can only come by the Spirit of God. And once your eyes have been opened, how long do you want to see how long do you want to see? I'm going to tell you what. I was so privileged to be able to go to Ireland. What? Three years ago now? 
And I was only there for a week. It was a lifelong dream of mine. Thanks to my daughter, she made my dream come true. I'm telling you what, while I was there, I wanted to see everything that I could. I didn't land in Dublin and get to the top of the hill and say, well, now I'm in Ireland. I'll just wait until I, it's time to go and I'll go home. No. We, we saw as much as we could. When your blind eyes have been opened to see Christ, how can we be content to say, well, now I see Jesus. I'll just wait here till I get to heaven one day. That's like going on your dream trip and staying in the hotel and saying, well, I made it to Ireland, but I'm just going to stay here in the hotel until it's time to go. Aren't you going to see anything? No, no, I made it to Ireland. I'm, I'm content. No, I don't think so. How can we be content with a finite revelation of Jesus when what he wants to give us is an infinite revelation? How can we be content with sitting in the hotel when God has given us the Holy Spirit? That's our rental car. Bought and paid for with the gas, the insurance, unlimited. And he said, just get in that baby and go and see all that you can see. Part of the problem is, is because we don't have a continuing revelation. And here's what I want to do as we close today. We're going to talk some more about this next week. I want to challenge you to stir yourself up to not be content with a finite revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to stir yourself up to seek after a continuing revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to stop fighting and fussing amongst yourselves and begin to seek a revelation of Christ. Families that you begin to pray for one another. Parents, pray for your children a revelation of Christ. Children, pray for your parents a revelation of Christ. As brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would pray for one another. Remember, several weeks ago, I encouraged you, I challenged you to pray 30 minutes a day to pray for the church, to pray for Christ's fellowship, to pray for God to do a, a miraculous work in our hearts and in this body and in this city. It doesn't do any good to pray that God would do a work in the city if we're not willing to have God do a work in our heart. So don't pray for God to do a work in the city until you begin to pray for God to do a work in your heart. And when God does the work in your heart, you know what? You're going to find that He's going to do a work in your family. You're going to find that He's going to do a work in the church. You're going to find that He's going to do a work in the city and beyond. Pray. Seek a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Amen? Because motivation is not going to carry you anywhere, but a revelation will change you for eternity. Amen? Let's all stand. Now listen, this isn't a magic... It's not magic... 
Revelation is very practical. When you're hungry, what do you do? If you're sitting in the living room watching the football game, guys, and you're hungry, what do you do? Don't say, I'll tell my wife to go get me something to eat. Don't say that. You get up, you go in the kitchen, and you find you something to eat. That's real practical, isn't it? Listen, a revelation is that practical, I believe. If you're hungry for a deeper revelation of Christ, then go after it. Get up and go after it. Break open this word and begin to partake and begin to eat. Begin to ask that he would fill you and he will. Father, we ask you right now that by your spirit, God, you would move in our hearts. That you would open our blind eyes. Lord, I believe that we are all blind to a degree. Father, I pray that you would begin to do a work in us by your Spirit, that we would begin to see more clearly the express image of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you that you would stir up in us and that we would stir up in ourselves a hunger and a desire for a deeper revelation. That we would live our lives in such a way, God, that we would declare, that we would make known the manifold wisdom of God, not only to powers and principalities and heavenly places, but God, we would make known that wisdom, that life and that love to the world around us. That when we encounter men, Lord, there would be a sense in them that they have encountered Christ, a measure of Christ in our lives. Father, we ask that you would cause that measure to increase. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to do this as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, Father, as we get ready to go next door and eat, we ask that you bless the food, let it be nourishing to our bodies, bless our fellowship today. And Father, bless the finances that will be brought in uh, to go to our missionaries. And we just pray for them today, that they be blessed wherever they are, ministering the word of God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Go next door, sit down, relax. Uh, if it's not ready, it'll be ready very shortly. And in the meantime, if you want prayer for anything that's going on in your life, please come and I would love to pray with you. I'll see you next door. God bless.